Here we are. We're on the protectors. Donnelly, I waited till you had a drink. <laughs> How's it going? Hey, great, Jason. Good to see you. I'm glad we connected, man. And I'm glad I got your book. I really appreciate the personalized note inside of it. And uh, it's an excellent read. Today, we're going to be talking about Donnelly Wilkes, Dr. Donnelly Wilkes in Code Red Fallujah, a doctor's memoir at war. Yes, sir. There it is. Look at it. It's awesome. You know, one thing about this is... um. One of my best friends growing up, West Point, went to med school, became a doctor, still in the Army. Um, geez, 20, 30, 30 years later, 20-something years later. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, I never read a book about an actual doctor. I've read books with combat medics in there, with, with quote-unquote docs. Uh, but I've never read a book about an actual doctor. Now, before we get into the book, let's give the 30,000-foot overview on who is Donnelly Wilkes. <laughs> Very good. All right. Uh, big overview. I'm a California native, uh, you know, born in Los Angeles area, raised up in Northern California, went to uh, college at UC Irvine, started thinking about how I'm going to pay for medical school, a little bit of tradition of service in my family, started looking at the Navy. The Navy recruiter got a hold of me. He said, hey, we can pay for med school. You just owe us, owe us seven years. I said, that sounds good to me. So I took the scholarship went to Tulane Medical School in New Orleans. And um, during those four years, you do a little bit of training every month when everybody else is having fun. I go out in the field and learn how to be a Naval officer. And as soon as you graduate, I am a tenant in the United States Navy and they own me from there. And that's where the story takes off. I want to talk about med school. I, like I said, I had a friend, but I never asked him about the actual medical school. And I watch all these shows, man. I watch my Grey's Anatomies. I watch everything. <laughs> and um, you know it all. I know it all. I know. And I have Google. I have Google or DuckDuckGo or whatever. Um, but what is med school like? Uh, you know, I, I just can't imagine how complex the body is and you getting all that information out of it. Just can you, what is it like? Yeah, it's a, it's a big adventure. Um it's pushing your education, of course, to the limits with the amount you can study and pack into your brain. And then, you know, you're thrown into rotations of all different kinds and all the specialties. Um, you stay up late, you study hard, but then you also just are immersed in this wonderful tradition of medicine. And New Orleans has one of the best histories, one of the, one of the oldest training hospitals in the United States. And you become almost like in a military unit, you are just immersed with these people who become your close friends and confidants and you're going through it together. Lots of great bonds are formed. Um, wonderful tradition of training, which I loved. And every step of the way, you're just elevating your skills and your knowledge all to get this medical degree. And then once that's done, four years later, you're still a baby doctor. You still got to go through residency, you know, and a whole bunch more training. So that's how I looked at it. it a big adventure. It was challenging, pushed me to the limits, but I loved it. Okay. Residency. Um, you know, like I said, a Grey's Anatomy, I know it all. Do you pick like a, a specialty or like yeah. a general medicine and like, what is the path? Cause like, you know, I thought about it the other day, you know, so I'm a special agent, 
been a special agent with different agencies. And my specialty could be certain crimes. Um, same thing with a lawyer. You get any, you specialize in certain things. Is that the same way in like the medical field where they're like, okay, I'm going to go brain. I'm going to go heart. I'm going to go lungs, liver, et cetera. That's right. Similar. It's, it's actually a pretty wild process during your fourth year. By the way, my fourth year of medical school was when the Twin Towers came down 9-11 September. And that's kind of when my military path changed um, thereafter. But in your fourth year, you apply for the residency of your choice. You go on interviews to different residency programs and you try to get what you want, whether it's in um, uh, family medicine and sports medicine like myself or neurology or surgery, what have you. And then you put it, you put that into a lottery and you put your choices in and then match day for every medical student graduating their fourth year. Match day comes on the same day. You get an envelope. You have a big party. You open your envelope and you find out your destiny for the next at least three to four years of your life. What did you get? Was that your first choice and you got it? I did. I got my first choice. Um, because I was a on a Navy scholarship, my residency choices were the Naval Medicine Institutions throughout the mm -hmm. United States and overseas. And um, I did. I, I got my first choice at Camp Pendleton Naval Hospital in um, Oceanside, California. And, you know, that brings us into the book. You know, you get to Camp Pendleton. You're an officer. Um, I've been there, but I was enlisted before, so I kind of knew it was a little like. But when you first become an officer, you're like, huh. And especially with the medical field, you're quasi military but your 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 mindset is hey you know what i'm still here you know my hippocratic oath and blah 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 and i'm here to like you know uh, care for these 900 or so soldiers and sailors and marines when you get there what what is it like putting the uniform on you're sworn in you get to your first unit and you're like uh why are these people like saluting me all the time and sir and this and that or <laughs> It is, it is a drastic transition and you're right. You know, you're in, I'm entering residency, my internship year, which is the most challenging of all the residency years. And yet I'm also in the military. And so there's this whole other world that you have to adjust to and get used to. And so just to, you know, kind of propel you how I ended up, you know, in Fallujah and Iraq after my internship year, which was mostly in the Naval hospital, there, caring for active duty and um, retirees and their dependents. After one year of internship, they pulled me from residency. All of the doctors generally go through all at least three to four years of residency before um, acting independently. Well, it's wartime, so they plucked me out. And I also chose that path to a certain degree. And I entered a Marine Corps battalion, a unit of 900 to 1,000 men. And then I'm transferred out of the hospital onto the outskirts of Pendleton, where my Marine Corps battalion lived. And well, let, me, let me stop you there first. It's like... So do you like, you know, doing surgery, making cuts, cutting, uh, sewing up wounds and everything. Do you have that practice ahead of time or not practice, but like, do you have that experience already? You have some of that experience and some of that's part of my training. Okay. Um, but then I also had to go through more advanced training to basically become an elite combat medic. So I'd go out to Texas and go to the field medical school out there. I'd go on, um, you know, training evolutions with the Marines in the field, practicing um, incisions on animals sometimes to put in airways and chest tubes and things like that. I also went to USC uh, Trauma Center and I did rotations with the trauma team. So to answer your question, I have a lot of extra training to do field medicine and go to war than your traditional training. Well, this must have been real 
I mean, here you are, boom, and you, you get pulled off of residency. But then, you know, I'm reading your book here, and we're on page 23. And he says, as battalion surgeons, Cormac and I, your, your uh, surgeon partner, are the primary care doctors for all the men, over 900 of them. As Marines and sailors trained for combat, we will provide all their primary care, treating illnesses, injury, and chronic medical conditions. Entering an infantry battalion as medical officer requires training beyond that of traditional doctors, especially after only one year of internship. That must have been like, your nerves must have been puckered up. And you're then you're dealing with combat Marines that, you know, we're not going on a ship. We're not going to be, you know, off the, you know, a thousand miles off the coast of wherever you're going into combat. Yeah, it was high intensity. The adrenaline was pumping. That's for sure. Uh, and again, you know, living in the, you know, in an infantry battalion of 900 to a thousand men, it's its own unique world. You know, you've been in the military, you, you understand that. And you're just immersed in it. You're all of a sudden you're brothers with all these men. And you're going to war, which just escalates everything. So that was kind of wild being thrust into that world. And then within months, we are in a convoy going from Kuwait three days through the desert up to Fallujah. And within weeks of arriving into Fallujah, the Battle of Fallujah commences. General Mattis flies in. He gives us marching orders in the middle of the night. And the battle begins. And that's when we pushed out into the field to set up our battalion aid station and um, that's where, you know, it got pretty wild. You know, uh, talking about like, you know, you did a lot more than what I would assume an actual doctor would do. Like being in convoys, going out into the field. And there's one part where, you know, you're talking about, you know, when you finally breathe it in, when you finally say, hey, you know what? Wow, this is this is a lot different. It's I'm over here on page 73. So everybody out there, before we keep going further, if you haven't picked up code red Fallujah, a doctor's memoir at war by Donnelly Wilkes, please do. It's an excellent book. And I, if you are in the medical field, if you are a doctor or a surgeon, or even you, you're thinking about getting into it, not even just being in the military, pick up this book. So here we are. After some time, I decided to rest. And so I sit down on the back of our ambulance I breathe in a thick, grainy air. The taste of taste of it lingers in my mouth. My armored flak jacket digs into my shoulders as I struggle to get comfortable sitting on the steel ambulance bumper. My chest heaves up and down underneath the weight of my jacket. And my thoughts wander. My life's work will mean nothing if I can't put it all together now. Four years of college, one year of post-grad, four years of med school, one year internship, officer indoctrination training, combat trauma training, and many hours of field training in the military. It all might come down to a single moment and it weighs heavily on me now. You are what stands between life and death. And every surgeon in a, in a trauma emergency field probably knows this, but this is different. You are in an environment where you could die at the same time trying to save someone else. Let's talk about that experience. Yeah, th thanks for reading that section, Jason. As, as I thought about why my story was unique, and this is going to answer your question, I realized that, you know, after, after I came home from de the deployment and the years passed, the Battle of Fallujah was the biggest event of the entire 10-year Iraq war. It was also a pretty unique time for military medicine. Physicians hadn't been that close to urban combat. Uh, in quite some time, you know, maybe even since since Vietnam. And I found myself 
proximal, right on the, you know, near the front lines of the battle. That's what was so unique for me as a physician and performing field medicine in that environment was just um, an unbelievable challenge. And there was just a handful of us who, who honestly had the privilege to practice what we had trained for so intensely. A lot of times you don't get, you know, the, the chance to practice um, what you train for. So I did, and it, it was intense and it was traumatic and scary at times, but I felt blessed to have been there and, pro- and provided the care that I did. And to kind of go into what you asked about what it was like, I described it as like trying to perform ballet with a bull. <laughs> and I, that, that's exactly where I was going next. Yeah. And I want to tell people like, think about this. You are a, a bona fide doctor, you know, the, the government's invested hundreds of thousands of dollars in you. You have a, a career ahead of you. And let's just say you're a regular doctor and you got, you know, you're, you're very vested in a medical field. You're worth something you have worth. Um, not that anybody else is not discounted, but here you are in a combat situation. Most surgeons, most doctors, most people that are going to perform the types of procedures you will in combat have, like you say in your book, labs, they could do scans, they could do x-rays. You don't have that opportunity. You have to provide life-saving care now as a doctor. You can't say, hey, I'm just a combat medic. I could do this. I could do that. No, your responsibility is to do this. And you, and you say, you know what? This is in a book. It says decisions must be made quickly, sometimes on a fly without the diagnostic tools you're used to. If you make a mistake, even one that causes harm, you must forgive it and move on. There's no time for remorse. And then on top of that, all the Marines want to know is that you'll absolutely do everything you can. The environment is unforgiving. Lighting is poor. The heat intense and working conditions harsh on the working condition is harsh on the ground. And then that's where you add in combat to the mix. And it's like ballet with a bull. So you have all of these stressors. You have the, the chance of you becoming a victim to a sniper, to mortars, to everything you can imagine. But then you have your Marines because now, now they are part of your, you're part of their family and they're part of yours. And you have the pressure of saving their friend, their best friend, their brother. And you're like, wow, I better have my, my blank, 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 uh, wound tight because you have to that experience you had in combat is worth 20 years for any for any trauma surgeon in my opinion um, that may never ever have that experience in their life never know what it's like to put their life on a line to save a fellow human being so I, I I commend you for for doing that and also for writing this book yes thank you Jason and um like I said, it was a privilege to be able to do it. Um, we were a few hundred yards from the front lines under a freeway overpass, as you may have read, and uh, incoming mortars, rockets, they're in the background as we're trying to treat our Marines on the ground. And like you said, a lot of times um, it, it, it was it was challenging to the point where, you know, we, we knew a Marine may not survive, but we did everything we could every time because we needed the Marines to see that they would get the same thing no matter what. Uh, the thing too about your book and it, anybody that's been in the military, and I say this a million times, it's, it's a little bit different. There's only 1% that have served. That's what they say. Yeah. Um, but when you go in, I remember the, 1993 when I enlisted, I went into basic training. I, I had a little mini Bible. I still had that little Bible. Mm-hmm. Faith becomes such a big part of your life and it stays with you. It sticks with you. It gives you a grounded base. 
And you can see that in your book where you you find faith and you, you're like, you know what? Um, when you first lost someone, uh, you huddled everybody around and you said, all right, everyone, let's stop resuscitative efforts. He's gone, I say. There are no words for a long minute and I contemplate what to do next. There's no training for this moment. Nothing seems sufficient. I look around in front of me and then to my left and right, there's seven of us kneeling on the ground, huddled over our Marine. And then later on, you say, okay, guys, everyone gather around him. We encircle his body. Each man links arms to the next. My voice cracks when I first open my mouth. I pause and firmly say, Lord, we kneel here together with our fallen brother. We can't fully understand his death and our grief that will follow. We lift him up to you and pray for mercy and healing for his family. We pray for courage, righteous victory, and the strength to go on the fight as brothers in Christ. Amen. Faith is so important. And did your faith shudder after seeing so much death? Or did it just get emboldened and stronger? Yeah, I talked about that in the book, you know, going into the deployment and, and through my life, I've always been, you know, one of faith, you know, grew up in Catholic and then kind of just Christian family and household. And I took that with me and it served me well every step of the way. But I talk about the fact that I struggled at times. I, I got mad at God. I had questions. I didn't understand how I ended up out of all, all the things I envisioned in my life, how I ended up, you know, in Fallujah with the, one of two battalions that happened to be going into the biggest battle of the entire war. So I was having troubles just reconciling with my, with my place. And then, you know, in the book, I talk about how I just turned it around one night and I said, you know what? I've been, I'm only, I've only been part of the way in mentally and spiritually. I need to be all the way in right now here and tonight, or I'm going to suck. I'm not going to make it through. So that's the night I, I just took a leap knowing that I wasn't miraculously going anywhere, but that I was in all the way a hundred percent despite living or dying. And uh, that helped me going forward. I would ask anybody that gets into a field where you're going to serve your fellow uh, citizens and, and fellow humans, medical field or whatever, that you if you can't serve in a military, you don't want to serve in a military, find somewhere where that you can be around other people and help them. Not for money and not for anything else, but to just help other people. The leadership you will learn and, and engulf in your body, is it, you, you can't discount that ever. And I could tell through the book, and what you've done since the book that you've taken what you've learned in combat and you brought that back. And, you know, towards the end of the book, you write at the end of my journey, I have a treasure chest to share and I have a seminal message. Don't wait for your life to come to you with the right training. You could do great things among them. These three key elements, get your heart and mind balanced, get your body fit, grab a fistful of courage and go after it. And you did. You joined a military. You did something. I don't care if they, you could have taken an easy way out. You could have gotten your degree, jumped on a boat and said, Whoa, I'm done. Or whatever they say in the Marines. <laughs> but, you, <laughs> but you, uh, but you didn't, you, you took the, the tough road and I commend you for that. And now what is on your plate now? What happened after the service? Yeah. So, you know, when I came back from that deployment, I finished up my residency training in the Navy and then I served a couple more years of um, active duty service. I was called back to Iraq in 2008. So I, I went on a, an, another combat deployment to Al-Qaim on the Iraq-Syrian border. 
And of course, a lot of emotions were stirred for my first deployment. And that's when I um, wrote the bones of Code Red Fallujah. I was on that second deployment. I took my field journal and recalled, you know, the events of Fallujah. So um, came back from that second deployment, finished up my service, and then, um, you know, resigned my commission and opened a medical practice in uh, Thousand Oaks, California. And Jason, if I can just tap onto, you know, what you read there, I appreciate you reading the message at the end. What I want the readers to know is, as we all go through life trials, we're all going to have triumphs and struggles. And along the way, I found, and the way I'd summarize my my roughly 10-year experience is you, when I point at you to the audience, are the most important person you'll ever meet. And what I mean by that is you always need to be on the lookout for your best self because you don't know when that person's going to show up. But if you are on the lookout and always striving towards being your best self, you're going to find your best self. And everybody's journey is different to get there. Mine was different to get there. It was probably following uh, my deployments that I found my best self. But I value that. And so I've tried to relay that through my message and through my book. Yeah, I'm excited uh, to get the word out about this book. Everybody, make sure you go to Code Red Fallujah. And the book is available on Amazon. Um, and follow. you're on IG as well, right? Yeah, yeah, Instagram, DocBooks1. Love to follow and talk to anybody who wants to connect. IG's where it's at, I'm telling you. <laughs> You know, California is where it's at. I, you know, I hope you're having fun out there because I used to live there for years down in San Diego. And I miss it, man. It's a great place to live. You know, every state has its, you know, struggles and issues. But I tell you what, mm-hmm. you've got the weather here and uh, beautiful ocean, mountains, whatever you want, even desert, if you like that, it's all here. <laughs> That's the truth. Um, I have been to the beautiful National Training Center as well a couple of times. Yep. Out in Fort Irwin. Uh, Donnelly, I appreciate coming on to talk. Everybody pick up Code Red Fallujah, a doctor's memoir at war by Donnelly Wilkes, MD. And uh, get a chance, if, you, if you're watching this, listening to this, wherever, just make sure you hit like and subscribe to the Protectors Podcast. Donnelly, I look forward to keeping in connection, and I'd love to have you on for maybe a, a live book club discussion. We'll get a little roundtable going with some other doctors and stuff. I other combat it. vets. That'd be, you know, it's a good idea. Let's do that. I'd love to do it. And thanks for having me, Jason. And thanks for what you do. You keep up the good work.